0: Welcome to Fiscal One-on-One. This Iowa Legislative Services Agency audio program consists of interviews conducted by the Fiscal Services Division staff. Each brief conversational interview features an expert answering questions concerning a fiscal topic of interest within an Iowa state agency. The following interview was conducted on October 30, 2012. Beth Lenstra, Senior Fiscal Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency, interviewed Mark Smith, State Appellate Defender, regarding the provision of defense counsel services to indigent defendants in the state, the mix of public defenders and private attorneys in the provision of those
1: services, and the appellate process. Hello, my name is Beth Lenstra, Senior Legislative Analyst of the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency. Today, I will be talking with Mark Smith, State Appellate Defender. Hello Mark and thank you for coming in today.
0: Glad to be here.
1: When did you start working in the State Public Defender's Office?
0: Actually I started working in the State Public Defender's Office 16 years ago on November 1st.
1: Congratulations on your anniversary day.
0: Just about.
1: Provide a brief description of your career and its progression.
0: Well I graduated from Drake Law School in 1973 and from 1973 till 1984 I was in private practice in West Des Moines part of that time actually about the last five years I think I was also the prosecutor for the city of West Des Moines prosecuting basically traffic cases I can tell you during that time I had no jury trials at all all the trials were to the court after that I accepted a position at Drake Law School to work in the legal clinic working primarily with elderly clients and did that from 1984 to 1993 when I went back into private practice and also was involved in a mediation company at that point in time doing mediations and arbitration and then in 1996 I went to work for the public defender system and I've been there ever since most of the time I was in the administrative office as the first assistant state public defender and technically I'm still the first assistant state public defender until next Monday actually but in 2006 I became the state appellate defender.
1: Could you describe the local public defender's offices across the state and how the specific cities and towns were chosen?
0: Well, I wasn't there when the public defender system first started, however, it's my understanding that prior to the state public defender system being established, there were local public defender offices in various cities throughout the state and so when the state took over the public defender system, those offices were joined with the state system and my recollection is that those offices were located in Des Moines, Waterloo, Burlington, Cedar Rapids, and Sioux City, the larger urban areas. Since that time, two offices have been added in Des Moines, There's an office in Dubuque, one in Mason City, Fort Dodge, an additional juvenile office in Sioux City, a juvenile office in Waterloo, an office in Iowa City, an office in Davenport, and in Council Bluffs. Then our newest office is in Ottumwa.
1: Describe the mix of public staff and private attorneys and how that enhances the provision of legal defense for defendants.
0: Well, the public defender system has 219 Employees. And of those, about 150 are attorneys, the rest are support staff or investigators. And obviously, it would not be possible for 150 attorneys to represent all indigent defendants in criminal cases or parents and children in juvenile cases. And so, it's fairly important that there be a balance between private attorneys providing services and public defenders providing services. Even if there were enough public defenders, there would obviously be conflicts of interest occasionally where, for instance, the same public defender couldn't represent a child and parents in a juvenile case. So there's always going to be work out there for both public defenders and private attorneys, although in general, in order to conserve state resources, we sort of have a preference for public defenders doing the bulk of the cases or at least the bulk of the more expensive, more serious cases.
1: How is indigency determined? Are the total assets considered by the judge or only the income? Well,
0: indigency is defined in the Iowa Code in Section 815.9 and that requires that the court look at not only a person's income but also other resources that might be available and generally those are assets and things that someone would own but the primary thing that the court looks at first of course is their income and depending on the seriousness of the charge or the seriousness of whatever the case is a person might be able to have more income and still be indigent if the charge were serious enough
1: so can they declare bankruptcy before the trial to get a public defender assigned to them?
0: it is probably possible to do that but I think it's fairly unlikely first of all because one thing that bankruptcy does of course is it eliminates to a great extent your debts in which case you would have more resources available to you to pay for a private attorney although I think that it's more likely than not that if a person were in a position to be able to declare bankruptcy they may very well be indigent to start with and mm-hmm. so I suppose it is possible to do that I'm not aware of anyone that's ever done that
1: can a defendant have his or her own attorney as well as an indigent defense counsel assigned to, to him?
0: no they can't do that and the reason for that is if a person is able to hire their own attorney then they're not indigent and so they would not qualify for a public defender and so there have been times in the past where some attorneys have requested that a public defender be appointed to assist them if they were privately retained, and we have routinely resisted that. And in fact, in the last session of the legislature, the law was changed to specifically say you can't do that.
1: So it's a pretty tight system as far as trying to provide excellent counsel within the budget. Considered. Yes, and
0: that's always an issue, and it would be. I think at least it's our belief that if a person can afford to hire their own attorney then they should pay for their own attorney.
1: Can you describe the relationship between the prosecuting attorney and defense counsel?
0: That varies from place to place. I think that in most areas of the state where we have offices and where we do cases, and actually we do cases in all 99 counties at this point, the relationship between the prosecuting attorney and defense counsel is pretty good. First of all because I think the prosecuting attorneys understand that public defenders know what they're doing all of the time and that to a large extent a public defender is not going to waste people's time doing things just for the sake of doing them. They're going to do things that are required in order to adequately represent their clients but they're not going to require anybody to do a lot of extra work that's not necessary to do that and I think uh, to a large extent that's the relationship that most of us have with prosecuting attorneys. Obviously there are some personalities which may or may not lend themselves to that sort of cooperative effort but I think by and large the relationship is very good.
1: So you're not diametrically opposed to everything the prosecutors I mean the prosecutors trying to prosecute someone for a crime and you're defending that person from the prosecutor so it's not necessarily antagonistic at all times it's more in search of justice to do the right thing?
0: I think that we are generally I don't know if the term is antagonistic we are vigilant to make sure that our clients are treated appropriately by the prosecuting attorneys but we also understand that they have a job to do and we have a job to do and we understand what our task is in representing our clients and at times you're much better off being cooperative than you are being adversarial all the time.
1: You mentioned at the beginning of this interview that you are the state appellate defender. Can you describe a normal day of the state appellate defender if there is one?
0: I'm not sure that there is a normal day but I can kind of highlight some of the things that I do pretty much every day. For instance, I don't think a day goes by that I don't get a letter or two from a prisoner and the letters sort of come in three different kinds. One is generally complaining about something that probably the appellate defender can do absolutely nothing about. Uh, That's sort of their conditions of confinement or the fact that they're there, those sorts of things. I get quite a few letters that have information in them about issues that the client thinks that we should raise in their appeals. And then the other sort of information that I get are questions about How long is my appeal going to take? Am I going to win? First of all, I don't know the answer to either one of those Mm -hmm. questions. I can tell them how long it's going to take us to file our brief but of course the Attorney General has time to file their briefs and once all the briefs are filed, the court has an indefinite time schedule to resolve the cases and so it's impossible to guess just how long a case might take. Generally they take less than a year, but a lot more than six months.
1: So when they complain to you about conditions of confinement, do you forward those issues on to the Department
0: of Corrections or the State Ombudsman? Generally, when clients write and they're complaining about conditions of confinement, our practice has been to refer them to a contract attorney that the state public defender has entered into contracts with attorneys to provide legal services to inmates regarding their conditions of confinement and so generally we would suggest that the person contact those attorneys if they need help occasionally I get letters from clients who well they're not clients they're people who are in prison but they don't have any cases pending and basically we also refer those people to the contract attorneys so that they can at least evaluate whether or not they have some kind of claim that might be uh, valid quite often that those letters appear to me that for whatever reason no appeal was filed, the statute of limitations is run, there really isn't a whole lot that they can do. After that, in my normal day, if there is such a thing, pretty much I'm working on doing briefs because I have some sort of administrative responsibilities. I don't necessarily do as many briefs as some of our line attorneys do, but the attorneys in the Appellate Defender Office, and there are 12 of them, they average between three and four briefs per month. So that's fairly close to a brief a week, which is a very difficult schedule to follow. In addition to that, of course, I spend some time each day. When we get a case in, there are some things that need to be filed right away. If a notice of appeal hasn't been filed already, I would do that. I also file combined certificates, which is basically a request to the court reporters to prepare transcripts of all of the hearings and I file those. I also review all of the cases that we get in to determine whether we're going to keep the case or whether for whatever reason we have to withdraw from those. I do all of those preliminary motions myself. Once we get all the transcripts and everything in I assign the cases to the individual attorneys to research and do the briefs and that sort of thing. So and in addition to that I read cases every once in a while just because I have to keep up on what the law is all about. Sometimes reading cases is done not when I'm at work. I don't really have time to do that on a real regular basis.
1: You've had a varied and interesting legal career. What do you consider your toughest challenge?
0: I think that my toughest challenge right now anyway is trying to make sure that I don't overwork the people that I assign cases to. It used to be when I first started as the state appellate defender and prior to my being the state appellate defender cases were assigned whenever they came in and that resulted at times because the transcripts don't all come in at the same time it resulted in some people being overwhelmed and some people not being terribly busy at various times and so I think trying to balance the workload of the people that uh, work with me is the most difficult for instance under the old system we had because of how transcripts and things came in and how cases were docketed in the Supreme Court at one time we had an attorney who had nine cases to docketed within six days of one another which means, of course, that the briefs were all due within six days of one another. And so at this point, my task is sort of to look at the cases. And sometimes you can't tell from just the volume because a case that has a 15-page transcript might be more complicated than one that has a 1,500-page transcript, but you don't really know going in. And so it's a little tough to try and balance the workload, but I've been trying to do that.
1: And what do you think has been your greatest accomplishment?
0: I have actually worked with all four state public defenders, and I've actually been the acting state public defender two times between the transition things. And I think my greatest accomplishment is that I think that I've been able to assist all four of the, well, actually three after the first one, of course, in transitioning into a job and sort of getting them up to speed as quickly as possible so that they could do their jobs. And I think that might be my greatest accomplishment.
1: Which is a great one.
0: Well, it's not bad.
1: Thank you for coming in today. Thank you for your years of public and private service.
0: I appreciate it. uh, Thanks for having me.